Welcome to It's Art, Let's Talk About It, a podcast sponsored by the Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, Texas. Located in the heart of the Texas Hill Country, the museum is dedicated to the preservation and promotion of the American West, especially through the art of the West. In this podcast series, we will visit with artists, art collectors, and gallery directors working in the Western art genre. We'll talk about the history and heritage of Western art, and we'll talk about why talking about Western art is so important. I'm Daryl Beecham, the executive director of the museum, and I'll be your host for It's Art. Let's talk about it. The podcast is a member of the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network. Today, Daryl visits with Phil Bob Borman, well known for his paintings of the sky, clouds, and cloudscapes. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Our guest today on It's Art, Let's Talk About It, is our good friend and supporter of the Museum of Western Art, Phil Bob Borman, and welcome to the show, man. Oh, thank you very much, Daryl. Yeah, we're glad to have you. You know, these these podcasts have been an interesting adventure for us because I know so many artists and so many guys like you that I've known, and we can have a conversation, and then I say, hey, let's get on the microphone and actually talk about art, and everybody freaks out a little bit. They go, man, I can't talk about art all my whole life, and that's all I talk about, and yet I can't talk about it if you ask me to, right? You're grinning, but I'm freaked out. With your work over the years, and for those of our listeners who are not familiar, website is Phil Bob Borman. PhilBobBormanFineArt.com. And so you can go out there as you're listening to that. And a lot of people do this, Phil Bob. They listen to the podcast and they get on their laptop and they go out and they search. They play along, if you will. And that's spectacular. And so, yeah, PhilBobBorman.com. And let's talk about your career. You go back, and we were joking earlier, but you do. You go back a long way in the Western art world, in the landscape business and painting. Let's talk about your career. How'd you get started? I started doing pencil drawings and I was at the time I was cowboying I did work in cowboy pencil drawings and then when I was at Sol Ross my mentor was a sculptor and I thought I'll just I'll just start sculpting and so I did sculpture for 15 years doing work in cowboy genre of sculpture and, and so that's really what kind of boosted me into it and in fact, I was privy to go to some of the uh, CA workshops here at the museum when this was the Cowboy Artist Museum back in the 80s. And, uh, and in fact, a lot of the who's who of today were in workshops. Tim Cox, Bruce Green, Jason Skull, a lot of us, we came up together. Yeah. And, and it was in doing that, and I, obviously I did that for, like I said, 15 years. And then I laid out for about 10 years. I was in full-time ministry. And then one day the Lord said, start painting. And I went, okay. And, I, <laughs> and that was our conversation. Noah, build a boat, you know what I mean? <laughs> Phil Bob, start painting. That's right. It's never rained. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I, even during that 10 years that I didn't realize I was really out of the art world, I still did some projects and stuff. And But then I started painting, and, and then I did some contemporary cowboy working cowboy yeah. work and I realized hey, I want to do I want to paint clouds that's even when I was a government trapper I had a friend of mine ask me he was our troubleshooter he said Phil Bob what do you want out of life and I said I want a gal to say I do and and I want to hear a doctor say it's a boy and and I want to paint clouds like John Constable 
and I was in my mid-twenties <laughs> when I said that, and it just came back around. You know how the Lord, we're going in a direction like a river, but even if a northbound river will meander south a time or two. Yeah. And so that's what I was doing. And then I think it was in 2003, I started painting clouds and, and cloudscapes, skyscapes, and that's really been my passion. And I'll do my landscapes. It'll be different parts of the country, but right. I, I like to have headquarters or, or cows in there, or horses. Something for something, scale. Yeah. Something for scale. That's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. Is that for scale? And uh, but did you always know that you were going to be an artist? Or you? I remember Jack Sorensen telling me his. He, he was painting a dog, and the dog moved, and he got mad at the day who was three years old. He's known it from day one. Jason Skull, on the other hand, was well up into college before he decided he wanted to be a... And so I, I asked this question of artists, and I get the, I get the range. When did you know you wanted to be an artist? When I was four years old, I had one of those, those golden books that kids get with the golden binding and everything. I had one, and it had a bunch of animals in there, and I remember sitting down and drawing a dolphin. I looked at the picture and then drew it. I went, hey, that looks like that. I drew the Pirate on the Match book cover oh. to, to win the free art yes. classes. Yeah. Yeah, that's they weren't free. but <laughs> I, I, In fact, I even sent off for that art course thing that you can get on TV. Yeah. But when I, So when I was four, I started drawing, and I knew I wanted to do that. But when I was 14, I came in. I was a busboy at a restaurant and came in. I got in about two o'clock at night and or in the morning and I was I started drawing and a buddy of mine was spending the night and I told him I started up drawing until daylight and I said, I'm gonna be an artist one of these days. Mm. And then and as it worked out, all through high school I was in art classes. And usually right. you, you don't, right. but I transferred over and just things worked out. I was at the right place at the right time. And so I've known most of my life that I wanted to be an artist. You spent a bit of your career as a sculptor. I did. And we still occasionally see on the market Phil Bob Borman sculptors, sculptures. But you're known today almost exclusively for what you've jokingly called a, you're a painter of, humi- of humidity. <laughs> yeah, Cloud, right. things that don't really exist that you can't touch. But why clouds? You mentioned earlier, you said you, you thought, man, I want to paint clouds. But why, what's your fascination with atmospheric pressure really i want to it's painting god god's glory yeah really that's where it, it stems from and that's what i see when i also see rain and i'm thinking all right that's many inches of that's grass that cows eat sure. and all that good good stuff but that's i don't know just seeing him and in, in every sky and that's why i went into that and i can't even back when in my 20s when i told bill that I wanted to paint clouds like John Constable. And I remember saying that, and I thought, why did I say that? There's a whole lot of things to paint. You were recently in our Heavens Declare Mm -hmm. show, which was perhaps one of the most best well-received shows at the Museum of Western Art that I think we've had in, gosh, decades. It was so well-received. You're part of that. Talk about that experience of being in a room full of, there were 12 other just phenomenal cloud painters. Oh, yes. Was that a lot of people, when you put in a show, when you put a work in a show, you generally, you're one of maybe two or three who've. So you were recently in our Heavens Declare exhibition, and that was pretty phenomenal being able to see that many 
painters of the heavens all together. Usually when you're in a, 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 any show, there's two or three people who paint the clouds, paint the heavens. And let's talk about that Heavens Declare the Glory of God exhibition. There were 12 pretty phenomenal painters there in, was. in that group. <laughs> I was blown away. I was blown away. And to tell you the truth, I was humbled to be in the company of these so accomplished artists and from all over the country and painting in so many different ways. Yeah. And from contemporary to super real to representational. Yeah, we had some guys like Michael McGrin who paints a little more contemporary out there. Yes. And, and David Grossman yes. was just out there as far as what we traditionally show. But, man, it was they were so good. And it was so well done. It didn't matter which way it was brought. It was so well done. Every artist in that show was a master. We were Before we started about... Every single artist in there would walk up to somebody else and say, gosh, I wish I could paint like you. Oh, that was <laughs> it. It was, we all, when we first met and we were walking around looking, everybody was looking at everybody's work. And, and I believe everybody had it said to them and everybody said it, they would walk up and say, I wish I could paint like you. <laughs> and then they turned out, I wish I could paint like you. For those, for their guest listeners who may not understand, the Heavens Declare, Celebrating the Glory of God was an exhibition we did last year. Yes. And a book is available. I want to point that out in the museum store. It was it's a really well done book. Includes what four I think I of every, four images four of, of everybody's works yes. in the thing. And there is and that's available to the museum store. All you got to do is call the Museum of Western Art and say I want that book and we'll send you we'll sell you one. And it was so well done. But our online catalog for that show, our online yes. flip book, is available at the Museum of Western Art dot com. And that includes all everybody's works, all of everybody's works. So it's a really full deal with it. I think tell you the thing that I got to was really fascinated with is that I knew you as a cloud painter, but I had never met Linda Glover Gooch. And she's turned out to be one of our friends here at the museum. Yes. I'd never had a chance to spend any time with Laurel Daniel, cloud painter out of Austin, Texas. Denise LaRue Malky, I knew. I've known Denise. We've known Denise, but that's how it all got started was trying to put together this whole concept, her baby, if you will, her idea, which boy just turned out so wonderful for us. I remember the first time when Denise, I guess you and Denise had been talking, and I guess it's been two, three years ago, and when and she called me and asked me what I thought and if I'd be interested, I went, boy, yeah. <laughs> and that's neat. Like I, we were kidding around. I was, people said, what do you do? And I said, I paint humidity for a living. <laughs> I thought, oh. Only in America can we do that. I'll never forget being at that show, and I think it was that show. Well, we're just going to say it was at that show that we had, a, and I'm not going to name the client but had a lady standing there in front of one of your major big works and she was staring at it staring at it. I said and that's a lovely piece isn't it she said yeah she said there's only one problem it's the size and I said yeah it's just it's big isn't it she said oh no it's not big enough that's right and that was a, that was and that particular painting was like four by four foot by eight feet yeah it was a it was 32 square feet or something it was massive and she said oh no it's not big enough and so we got the two of you together and you were able to do a commission which yes. you know is where it's working I out really well for enjoy you that. but it's fun when people are inspired to buy the work and see the work and that show was one of our just one of our top top shows it was so well received. Why do you think it was so well received? Why the clouds? It's just clouds, Phil Bob. That's true. You, we could have been a room full of people painting buckets. Yeah. I would say the one thing that made that particular show unique is that every artist is a believer. Yeah. And they're all, 
even though we're saying different things, but it's all the intent is to glorify God. Yeah. And so that was so awesome getting to enjoy that. And I believe that permeated the room. Yeah. And and like I said earlier, there was the everybody is a master at doing it. There was not any slouch in the group and well, maybe no i'm just kidding <laughs> so the 12 of you who are out there yeah. listening one of you was a slouch i'm just kidding yeah no, no, and if y'all don't know that yeah yeah daryl's looking at me <laughs> no but they were all they were just tremendous yeah. every single one of them like i said there's been a number of them that i have really enjoyed getting to know and you were talking about Linda, that we've become great friends. And I was not, I'd seen her work, but I'd never met her. Yeah, I'd never seen her work until I was introduced to it for that show. Yeah. I had never had a chance to spend any time with John Taft. Yeah, and, and he's uh, an awesome guy. What a super guy and a phenomenal artist. Yes. He is. But the heavens declare. You mentioned faith. Let's talk about that. Your faith in, in your art and the faith that you show. You try to, that's not just an act. You portray that, project it, try to live it. I do. As part of your art. That is my intent. Yeah. And that's the thing about art is it is another language. And your intent will always be seen. And so if I were to paint something just because somebody would buy it, that intent will be seen. And so that innately what my intent is to glorify God no matter what, I'm, if I'm painting a fence post in right. there, that's, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And, and I, as an artist, you're really, the artists themselves are anonymous. Your artwork is well known, but the artist is an unknown entity. And so I could be standing in the gallery or the museum and somebody will recognize my work but not know what I look like. And what's probably one of my greatest honors is to be standing next to somebody and they're looking at my work and they say wow i feel god in this i can see god's glory in this painting and if that's your intent that's a home run for you that's a home run yeah. you bet and that was and that's what we we all want to make a living but that's the innate i guess empathy yeah. emphasis yeah let's talk about workshops real quickly because oh, yeah. we've spent some time with the workshops not only have you You've participated in a number in your lifetime, but you've also taught, most recently here at the Museum of Western Art, you, you taught a packed workshop, a full workshop for a bunch of receipt students who just really loved it. Let's talk about workshops. you remember your first one? I do. It was at the Fredericksburg Artist School. And it was the instructor was? Karen Vance. Karen Vance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's awesome and a great lady. I love her work. And... What was so neat, it was great that hers was my first workshop because she had, the first day, she goes, what are you, why are y'all here? And I think there was like 25 artists in this workshop. And and it came around to me and I said, I've got something to say. I said, I'm not sure what I have to say. <laughs> I said, it was still taters and water. It wasn't quite soup yet. And, and then what was neat was that, and then she encouraged, she said, yes, you do. And we want to hear it. And then she, later on that morning, she looked around at the group of us and she said, you know that only 2% of people who do artwork make a living at it. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, that high. If it's that high, that's very, <laughs> yeah, that's very generous. And then, so I went home and my wife, at, and I told my wife, and she goes, how'd that make you feel? And I said, made me feel like there's not going to be many of us. There you go. Because I knew that's what I was built for being an artist. 
And, and I learned so much from Karen, and that gave me the encouragement and the tools to go to the next workshop. And I would, at that time, I was trying to figure out my voice and right. my artwork. And so I just gunned it. I went different types of landscape artists. I knew I wanted to paint clouds, but I needed to learn how to paint. And You talked about a workshop here at the Museum of Western Art. Included guys like Bruce Green and yes, Jason yeah. Skull. And when this was at the Cowboy Artist Museum, yeah, the people that you would, are household names now, especially for most collectors, Bruce Green, Tim right. Cox, sure. Jason Skull, there were so many, and that's just a few that we still stay in a lot of contact. We've just been friends for 40 years, and, and it's neat. And that's the thing is that through the workshops, you really grow. It's like working out. You, you go to work out to fail. When you do so many bench presses and you can't do any more, you reach failure. Yeah. That means you're growing. You're getting stronger. And the same thing, you go to a workshop to fail because you, you don't go there to show off. You go there to learn and to stretch. Right. And if you're stretching, you're not going to be good at that aspect of it. And I remember every time I go to a workshop, I'd go, and I'd like, oh, I don't get this, I don't get it, and then come home, and I'd be awkward doing it, and it'd take me about two weeks for it to gel and become my own, and then I've absorbed the new information or aspect or whatever. You've been in the business a long time. When, in an interview situation like this, they talk, they ask you the question, "What advice would you give to a young artist?" You're no longer a young artist, right? But what would you say to those people out there who are listening, who are thinking about getting into art? What's their best way of growing? Is it workshops? Is it mentoring with another artist? Is it is it just time behind the easel or at the clay? At the, yeah, or the clay. Uh, yeah. I would say the answer is yes. Just yeah, all of that? All of it, I would say study. Do do the hard part. One thing I did early on in my painting was, and every painter that's out there has probably heard of Richard Schmid's book, Alla Prima. And in that, he talks about doing these squares, painting squares, where he would mix each of his, the paint, the colors of his palette with another color as a, as the primary color. And, and that he'd do these charts at five different values. And he, I remember in his book, he said, this took me about three months. And I thought, you know what? If it was important enough for him to do it, I need to do that too. And so I took three months to do my own color charts with, actually I used his palette because I didn't have my own palette right. at that time. And But going the extra mile is really what counts because then at that point, if you know your subject well, that's going to be the big thing you can always make decisions after but not be you don't want to make decisions based on ignorance not having that you came into the museum this morning and drop off works for the roundup exhibition we'll talk about that in just a second but one of the things that you insisted on doing before we did this interview was you wanted to look at the current exhibition the billy shank exhibition that's up before the roundup goes up billy shank is not your style oh, no. but I got a feeling that you wanted to look at it because you wanted to see what you could pick apart. You wanted to see what he's doing that's made him so phenomenally successful, so wonderful, so well-known, and how you might incorporate that into your art. Is that one of those subconscious ways of saying, look at art, look at lots of art, 
yes. look at other works, other people's works. And I, I would say always, I'll go into galleries. To the new time. student, I'm yes, saying to, to that the, person. Yeah, to the new person is always go in, pick your favorite artist, and then ask the question, why? Yeah. And why do I like this particular artist? And what is it that makes his or her work sing to you? And I used to do it when my boys were young. I'd say, y'all pick your favorite top three paintings in this room and we go to the gallery or a show or something right. and I said I don't care what reason but you have to have a reason and it makes you think and I would say for a definite if you could find someone to mentor under or to be mentored by that's awesome I, but I would say or and I would say workshops first because that way you're having to do the groundwork and I would say a, re, a mentor will help you refine your voice and everything. And also is that the pursuit of excellence is what makes a great a, a, a artist. Yeah. And mediocre has nothing to do with skill level. You could be at very your, a very beginning skill level and still pursuing excellence, and you're collectible at that point. You could be, let's say, if there's a there was a distance so let's say 100 feet is excellence you can you could be at 75 or 85 or even 95 feet but if you stop growing you've become mediocre and so pursuit of excellence is not a destination it's how you look and I had a young artist come in to the gallery to the museum recently and, and say I really love the work of this particular artist how do I get into a workshop with that person. And I happen to know that artist, a senior artist, one you recognize, doesn't do workshops anymore. He doesn't teach anymore. He doesn't. Right. I said, you pick up the phone and you call and you say, I'm a new artist and I'd like to pick your brain for one hour a month. Yes, yeah. And she came back to me and she said, "And I've got to, I'm going over to his house and we're going to sit down and talk about color palette again. And she said, I'm just like a, she was like a kid in high school again. She was getting to go, I saw her afterwards, and she said it was a two-and-a-half-hour discussion about the arts where he basically said, no, no, look at this and do th- think about this and think about that and that. And she said she grew in that one hour yes. so more, so much more than she could have grown trying to figure it out on her own. And yeah. people want to, they want to think that artists are, especially the really good ones, they're unattainable, they're unapproachable, and yet pick up the phone and call. That, I would say of the, the artists that I know, a hundred percent of them would love to share. There is that might be a time issue trying to find the time correct. that they can share with and you. And that's yeah, but that's not a des- that's not that's because of yeah whatever. how busy everybody is yeah. But it's yeah. not because of desire. Yeah. I love to share yeah, and I love to see the light come on, and that is and there's it builds excitement to to see excitement in a young artist. And you're already scheduled to do another workshop for us in 2024. Yes, sir. Yes, so sir. So people, if they can't get enough of Phil Bob Borman, they can come back. That's right. And get more or subject a whole new crowd to your... <laughs> That's right. We'll have a large time. <laughs> that kind of thing. Let's talk about Roundup real quickly. The yeah. annual Roundup at the Museum of Western Art. You've participated in it a number of years. A chance for people to look at and purchase art. Yes. Talk about the business side of... Western art. You grew as an artist. Did you grow as a businessman? I grew as a businessman because I was an artist in, and, in and the you, art business. And you had to. And right. I had to. That's right. It's. I did not show up with a business plan. 
I was an artist who was trying yeah. to sell his work. <laughs> but I would say, so on the business side of things, and my wife Deanna is so good at that. She and so many that. good artists you have found. You found your your Nancy Russell. Yes. Right? Fact, I mean, we've talked about that on this podcast. Charlie yes. Russell had Nancy, or he would probably have just been a drunk on the right. street, streets of Great Falls, right. Montana. In fact, Deanna read a book yeah. uh, of from of nancy russell's right. so we'd said right. that and she goes i want to learn and see what she did right. and she is my promoter she may helps make the business decisions and part of that is what show is the best one to be in if there is a conflict of right. scheduling or something and that is something that in particular the roundup has been an awesome show for us and not only for sales and it's a and it's a great fundraiser for the museum, and we support the museum, right. of course. And I grew up here with this museum, and I I love that every year it gets better. One of the things we're trying to do, I, people have said, oh, I begin to see a plan here. We're introducing to this audience in the Central Hill Country, South and Central Texas, a number of new artists. Yeah, these are people who have not had a great deal of success getting into some of the. I don't want to say major shows, bigger shows, because we're a pretty major show, but they have, they've not had much chance to be a part of it. And right. so every year we try to introduce a group of new artists, and we're doing that this year and again. And then, of course, we bring back some of our old favorites and some of the guys who've been around a long time, like Phil Bob Borman. But, That's right. Who is not older, but I am mature. <laughs> but the shows are important. Try to find yes. the shows that, that work for, for you. And that's the and that's the thing is that having a gallery, but finding the shows and whatever I would say this to any up and coming or every up and coming artist is consider a no, just a not yet. That's a, it's good advice. And really, my work is not who I am; it's when I am. This is what I'm painting now because my competition is not other artists; it's my yesterday. And so I'm always wanting to grow with what I'm doing there and to look at it and to grow in your galleries if that's a route that you'd want to do I'd say it's good to be doing all to be doing museum shows yeah I would I would strongly suggest being in shows and also like you said you're bringing in some new artists who have not had the opportunity that to me is exciting for the show because there's new blood and it's exciting for because I'll just say this about what you have done Daryl is since you've been the director, I remember our phone conversation. We had just, Deanna and I had just left Bruce Green's place, and Jason called me and said, Hey, you want to be in the roundup? And, and you had just become director, and Jason was telling me about it. And he goes, Here's Daryl right here. And, I, <laughs> and we were fixing to go out of a phone zone, so we stopped at the top of a hill, and we parked there. And in a little less than five minutes, you had built the excitement, which is still felt in the well, museum. Well, a great museum, what a great opportunity. And what we're trying to do is build back some greatness yes. with you know what this is certainly capable of. And thankfully, we've gotten a lot of artists who have decided they want to come back and participate in Roundup. Yes. And then we're getting some new ones. And so, Yeah, you know, it's an awesome show. That's always pretty fun. The show runs September eight nine through the end of october we encourage people to come out and buy that phil bob borman painting that's absolutely that's going to be on the wall and it's and not small but it is big it is big <laughs> and it is good so that's always that's just a lot of fun with it 
we, we, we talk about the business side of it. I'm going to mm-hmm. give you a chance to say publicly and on the air, your partner in all of this and how much help she's been. A lot of times I pick up the phone and want to call Phil Bob, and I don't get Phil Bob. I, I get, <laughs> that's, that's right. You get Deanna. <laughs> I get Deanna, and that's fine, right? I understand that with a lot of artists. I, I get the person that's, that's help out there pushing to those. Give, here you got your, your minute and a half here of praising Deanna for the show. I would say that it all goes to her. You know what? I have gone from a sole proprietor to being simply the painter of the outfit, <laughs> and she's the administrator. You're not the only one. Andy Thomas, the great artist, yes. is, is, has a Dina. Yeah. Is with Dina. And uh, Charlie Russell had Nancy. Nancy and yes. there's, there's been a lot of that goes on in this. The well, art I couldn't business. do it. I, I, the thing is that she allows me, and we were kidding around, and, and you and I talked, but whenever you want information, you call, you talk to Deanna. Yeah, if I want to talk art, I'll call you. Yeah, that's talk, right. I remember I said to you one time, I said, what's the name of this painting? And you said, I, I don't know. Let me call it. <laughs> Usually I can, re- I remember the painting and, but I, and I, I title them, but. But I'm that has got to be, one. honestly, in all fairness, that has, in all sincerity, that has got to be a real blessing for you to have somebody that takes that off of your plate. Yes, it is. It is. And really, and also to have someone who believes in you. It doesn't matter how long you've been married, how long you've been doing it, but to come what have someone that's in your corner. And like most artists in the professional realm, we've got schedules. We have right. commitments for shows and commissions, and so we're always painting. I, most of the time, I'll have, I've had up to 15 paintings going at the same time. Really? And uh, working in various stages, and I tend to work in batches and stuff. And But so that can get really ahead of you, and... And Deanna will come into the studio and she'll say, Phil Bob, are you painting to the calendar or are you painting from your heart? Because sometimes we can get pressured. And I'm like, oh, I'm so busted. And she. I talked to an artist one day. He said his, his associate, his wife, in this case, it was a man art, a male artist. He said she came in and said, You've got one hour. You got to finish this painting in one hour. I'm tired of looking at it. You've picked it to death. And he said the second she put a time limit on it, he knew what exactly what he had to do, and he finished it. It was over. I said, would you still be painting on it? He said, oh, yeah. I still oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start he said picking. it was one that was never going to end. That's right. You know, it'll, when you start picking, it, it'll never stop. And But I would say that is probably one of my biggest blessings is having Deanna doing the business, coming alongside. And while she's not in the studio with me while I'm painting, Every painting, when I get to completion, the the, right. the painting I just delivered this morning here at the museum, yesterday evening, or a day before yesterday evening, I said, Deanna, please come in here. I want you to see. She knows what I want to say. She knows where I'm headed. Yeah, really throughout the process, I was like, it ain't Haynes till she says she it's says Haynes. Haynes. <laughs> and, and so I asked her, and I said, what do, what do you think? And... I love that, that she tells me the truth. Yeah. If I want somebody to butter me up, I'll call my mom. Yeah. And, uh, but she knows where we're headed, where, what I'm after. And she'll ask a question, do you want me to look at this in the painting? And, or if there's, we always see something in the clouds. Oh, I see a deer. Yeah. Or I see a, a Sometimes sheep. you don't want people to be able to see a deer. That's you know? right. Yeah. And, or I, I see a sheep wearing a sombrero. I'm like, we shouldn't be seeing that. No, no, what you want to see. Talk about your day. Do you paint every day? Pretty much, yes. Pretty much. That's, That's your goal, at least. Yes. I know you're on the road today, and 
for a couple of days, you, you're not going to get a chance to paint, but do you, you paint every day? Yes, when I'm home, I paint every day. And on, on Sundays, I may not, but I still go in the into the studio and I'll be thinking on a piece, but I it's repetition. I'm always, on my days that I paint, at least six hours, sometimes 12. It, it just depends, but I'm always working on, even if I'm not painting, I'm toning canvases. I'm studying, looking at sizes and images for different sizes for different shows. So I'm always in my studio working on stuff. Talk about real quickly the joy you might get from seeing your work in someone's home. I've walked into homes here in Kerrville even and walk up, walk in the foyer and there's a giant Phil Bob Borman painting. And I think I get excited just knowing the guy, right? I want to take a picture. Hey, did you know this was in the lobby of such and such? What does it mean for somebody to collect your work or to buy your work? Does that become a special relationship at that point? Oh, absolutely. The collectors that we have enjoyed over the years have really become part of the family and they are rooting for us. To me, it's an honor and it's very humbling that someone would want to purchase one of my paintings. From It doesn't matter if it's a five by seven, five inches by seven inches, or five, or foot, five by foot by seven <laughs> foot, exactly, and I do them all. And it's never, and I would say this is across the board for 99% of the artists, is that it's you never feel entitled, you never feel like, oh yeah, this is what happens. No, it's every time it honors me. What's next for Phil Bob Borman? Are you going to keep painting humidity? I'm going to keep painting humidity. And one of the things this next year is that, and I've been kicking it around, is we want to bring back, getting back into sculpture as well. And so it'll be coming alongside of what, what I'm doing with my painting. So I'm not going to slow down on my painting. I'm just going to be bringing back some of my sculpture. And I've got a couple of pieces that are in the clay. We've been doing a lot of moving this last year, so as soon as we get settled in, I'm going to bring it all out, and that'll, that's going to be pretty much it. And also, I would say that doing the workshops, I love to share what I have. I'll share everything but my toothbrush. Yeah. I, I get real narrow on oral hygiene, but, <laughs> but it's so fun getting to pour into others. And like I said, watching the light turn on. And in every workshop, I've always said, hey, y'all, we're in this together. There's, I may be teaching today or this week, but after that, we're friends. And let's talk about it. And that's the name of this podcast is It's Art. Let's talk about it. And I think we've done that. People want to know more about Phil Bob Borman. On our website, we'll post it as part of this, your website, and ways to contact you. Is that the best way to do it, reach out to you on your website? Yes, yeah, that would be the best They way. want to know more about the work. There's examples of the work. Yes. Uh, give us those addresses and phone numbers okay. or whatever again. Yeah, it's philbobbormanfineart.com. Just spell it out, P-H-I-L. Uh, yeah, P-H-I-L-B-O-B-O-R-M-A-N dot C-O-M. Yeah. I got that part right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Fine Art. Fine Art. Phil Bob Borman. Oh, yes. Borman. Phil Bob Borman. And then F I N. Fine Art. Yeah. A R T. Dot com. Dot com. And they can find out all about Phil Bob Borman. Yes. Yeah, so you can Google Phil Bob Borman. And so far, there's nobody else on planet Earth named Phil Bob. <laughs> not Phil Bob Borman, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Not Phil there's Bob several, Borman. There's several Bobs out there yeah, now. Yes. There's 
Bill, Billy Bob and Jim Bob and Plum Bob. Our guest today has been Phil Bob Borman, a painter of humidity. That's right. And a humble guy with a great career. We look forward to so much of what's happening in your life and okay. appreciate your time and your support of the Museum of Western Art. It's my pleasure. It's, it's, a, it's been a fun ride, and I think it will, it will continue for many years to, to come. Yes, sir. For more information about Phil Bob Borman, go out to philbobborman.com. For more information about the Museum of Western Art, you can find us at www.museumofwesternart.com. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Just spell it out. Museumofwesternart.com. We're located at 1550 Bandera Highway here in Kerrville, lovely Kerrville, Texas. And just so, you know, give us a jingle. And Phil Bob, thanks for talking about art today. You bet. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of It's Art, Let's Talk About It, a production of the Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, Texas. We hope you'll visit the museum in person. We're located at 1550 Bandera Highway in Kerrville, Texas. Find out more about us by going to www.museumofwesternart.com. And we hope you'll join us next time for It's Art, Let's Talk About It. The podcast is produced by the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network.